Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, welcome, church. Uh, We're excited to have you join us today. My name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Hanford. Uh, And we're continuing to kind of trek along in this series that we're calling Family Tree. Um, As I grew up, I was very aware that my family was an incredibly uh, a safe family. My family was home. Uh, but kind of around high school, I began to connect deeply with other people, friends and mentors outside of my home who kind of had the same belief system as me. So different youth groups, different friend groups, different things like that. And not necessarily, they didn't necessarily agree with everything uh, that I did to a T or anything like that. But, but we believed deeply that Jesus was the Savior of the world. Uh, And that in order to live a fulfilled life both now and for eternity, we needed to do our best to follow him after professing our faith in him. And so I began to to realize that I was spending the majority of my time away from my family and most of my time with these people who I went to school with, uh, these people I saw at church, these people I was in small groups with and that sort of thing. And I still lived at home, obviously, as in high school, uh, still was a part of my my physical life. bloodline family. Um, But that being said, I was spending more time with these other people than I was with my actual family, which is probably true of a lot of families once kids uh, get into high school. Uh, So these are are people that I held very near and dear uh, to my heart. And because of our common belief system, as well uh, as the fact that we were spending time in community with one another, they really became part of my family. You know, last week we talked about the idea of the family. And that the family is worth appreciating, the family is worth spending time with. We just challenge you to just be with your family in the midst of this, uh, this lockdown quarantine thing. Uh, but, but really, for the most part, we talked about your family as kind of your bloodline. And, and very briefly, the idea of your oikos, the people who are in your, uh, your sphere of influence, who you're responsible to encourage and share the gospel with and that sort of thing. But when the Bible talks about family, there's a very drastic turn that takes place while Jesus is on earth with his disciples. See, Jesus talks about how important it is to follow him when he's teaching and talking with people in Matthew chapter 8. It picks up here in verse 18 when it says, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. This isn't just one example where this kind of shift happens regarding family. There's a lot of examples of Jesus telling people to simply follow him. And I don't think Jesus says these things because he wants people to abandon their actual families, their bloodline type families. I think Jesus is saying these things because he is reestablishing who part of our family uh, uh, should be and what it is that we should care most deeply about. You know, most of us would say how important family really is to us. Regardless of your upbringing, I think we all understand the importance of a healthy family. And that, that we would hope it would look like, or what, it, what we hope it would look like in our homes. But Jesus, even here, is telling his follower to follow him and allow other people to bury his father. 
Not because he doesn't care about the man's dad or anything like that, but because the more important part of the equation is, not a, is simply nothing getting in the way of our relationship with Jesus. You know, what it meant to bury your father in this instance, obviously for us we think, okay, the father has obviously passed away, we need to do a funeral, we need to do a memorial service, and hey, as soon as all of those logistics are done and we have paid our final respects to our father, then I'm going to go and follow you. But really, this isn't what Jesus is talking about here. Most likely, what this man is saying to him is, hey, let me wait until my father passes away, until the head of my household passes away, and then after that point, I will go and follow you. It doesn't talk about how long that may be or anything like that. He's simply saying, hey, let me wait until I do bury my dad, until my dad does pass away, and then I will follow you. Which brings us to the very real point that Jesus is less concerned about our familial ties than he is about us following him. And that's probably a a difficult thing to hear, especially maybe for some of you mama bears out there, some of you people who value value family higher than anything else. But as we consider our physical uh, bloodline family units, we need to be aware that there is a greater family available to us that's incredibly important just as the people you are sitting next to on the couch with right now are incredibly important. We refer to them as the family of God. We refer to them as the body of Christ, the remnant, the capital C church, the fellowship of believers, a ton of other different things. But really, we're talking about the family of God. The importance of these people is talked about regularly in the Bible, but especially uh, in the book of Acts. It's the era of the early church that begins really in Acts chapter 2 after Pentecost, which was when the Holy Spirit was sent from God. The scripture we need to get to then, uh, as we are describing the family of God and what the family of God should look like and how it should operate, is Acts 4 verses 32 to 35. In this scripture, this is what it says. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So we want to pull a couple of things from this because this is largely how the family of God operated at the time in the early church. And so a couple of things we should pull. The family of God should be a few things, the first of which is be of one heart and mind. We should simply be of one heart and mind. It's our responsibility to keep the main thing the main thing. It's our responsibility to make sure that as we're doing our best to choose to follow God daily, that our actions are aligning with his desires for us. The things that we should be doing, we should actually be doing. How do we do that? Easy. We read his word. We pray for discernment. We talk with the Holy Spirit. We talk with other believers in our community, in our small groups, in our oikos. The Holy Spirit is not one of confusion. So as you spend time reading his word, as you spend time praying to him, as you spend time in your community, and as you spend time hearing about what the right thing to do is, we become unified as one family continuing to be of one heart and one mind. People oftentimes try to figure out what it is. Man, what, how should the church function? What should the church be doing? Easy, read his word. That's how you'll figure out what the church should be doing, how the church 
should be functioning, how we stay of one heart and one mind. We simply do this. We keep the main thing, the main thing, by keeping our nose down in the word. The next thing the family of God should do is the family of God should share what they have. They should share what they have. You have plenty, great, give it away. You have a little bit, great, give it away. Be generous. Can I tell you that, that I have been incredibly impressed by our church in this season? And this isn't just to like brag, oh, our church is so great or whatever. Um, this is obviously one of the most difficult things that I have ever had to lead through as a pastor. It's a difficult time uh, for a lot of churches. Um, and our board and I, even before the lockdowns went into place and we started recognizing that, that hey, uh, we may not be able to meet or if we do meet, then uh, attendance is going to be way down because, you know, obviously people uh, want to do their best to, to try to ease their own fears as well as try to limit the, the spread of this virus and that sort of thing. But it's an incredibly difficult time. And as our board uh, and I met, we started having discussions about having to possibly revamp our budget uh, because we assumed our giving was going to tank as soon as we could no longer physically meet. Did you know that if you compared our total giving from the first few weeks in March while we were still meeting to the first few weeks after we met online as we started going to online services, that our giving actually increased? Not substantially, not by leaps and bounds. Uh, we, we still have a building that we need to pay for. We still have bills we need to pay, all of those different things. Uh, but our giving did indeed Increase, And it tells me that we recognize as the family of God that we understand that we should share what we have. And not just when it comes to our treasures, our money. Okay, we should share what we have when it comes to our time. We should share what we have when it comes to our talent as well. We have some wonderful people who have made and donated over 600 face masks to local hospitals and individuals who are in need. And if you ask me what one of our most important ministries in regard to outreach was going to be in 2020, I would not have told you our sewing ministry. They probably wouldn't have been top five, probably top 10 if I'm being honest. But those people are using their talents to meet a real need in the community. They say, hey, I have this, I can give it away. I have this talent, I can give it away. And that's part of what the family of God should be doing. And the lastly, what we could pull from this verse is the family of God should testify about Christ. And I don't think this is just talking about what, uh, the words when we're talking about um, uh, testifying about Christ specifically. I think it's talking about actions as well because the context of this verse is rooted uh, in the actions that were taken by the early church. How is our family of God testifying about Christ in regards to our actions? You know, I, I, I do not believe the most difficult part of this pandemic and the shelter in place has come yet. And, and I'm not talking about the virus. I'm not talking about the sickness or anything like that. I'm talking about when it's time to reopen the physical church, when it's time to reopen our communities, when it's time to reopen our states. Um, how do we do that? The world is going to be watching how Christians react to that, how the church reacts to that how our actions both now and then, how are our actions both now and then going to testify about Christ? Now, are we going to demand our freedoms because it's our right to meet and possibly uh, ignore CDC guidelines or governmental authorities because it's our right to do so? Uh, are we going to ignore what Scripture says about the body of Christ meeting together regularly? It's going to be a very precarious time in the coming months when the church needs to act like the church should 
which means being unified, which means sharing what we have and testifying about Christ to a world who is watching. I'm not saying I know the answer to that question. I'm not saying I understand exactly how we're going to open back up. I do know that whatever it is that we do when it is time to do it is going to look a whole lot different than it did three months ago. The world is watching. The thing that makes all of these things possible, though, all of these things possible, being of one heart and mind, sharing what we have, testifying about Christ, the thing that makes all of these things possible, aside from Jesus, is the idea of community. It really is the idea of us being a family of believers that makes these things possible. And in a family, every single one of us has a role to play to accomplish the things we just talked through. You know, if you're single... You have the opportunity uh, to do things uh, that, that, that are riskier and, if I'm being honest, probably more fun than the rest of us do. Man, step out in faith in this time of your life, in these few years when you possibly, have, when, you know, you, you possibly don't have a family or anything like that that you really have to be uh, responsible for. Step out in faith in some of those things. Go into the missions field. Re, uh, relocate to a place that doesn't know Jesus. Start a nonprofit. Chase what God has for you. And if you are single and young in the midst of the church, we need you. Because the rest of us have responsibilities to tie us to a specific place. It, tie us, it ties us to places of us not being able to, to risk as deeply as you can for the body of Christ. If you're married, man, be accountable to one another, cheer each other on, love one another well. If you have kids, be the best example to your kids regarding what it looks like to follow Jesus, not just what it sounds like to follow Jesus. You want to raise kids who honor God more than just on Easter and Christmas? Then you yourself should be honoring God more than just on Easter and Christmas. If you're widowed, how can you provide support for other people in your community? Who are you calling or texting to show them love and support during a time that, that is simply incredibly lonely for so many people right now? Are you a part of the family of God? Great. If you're a part of the family of God, then be in community with one another. Love everyone well, regardless of marital status, regardless of family, familial status, regardless of age. Why? Because if you love Jesus and follow his word, then you're part of the family and we want to love our family well. Each and every one of us. It's the entire reason that we do small groups. It's the entire reason we are launching groups right now. We have our sermon discussion groups open to anyone on Monday nights. You can register on our website. We don't do that just so you can get smarter. We do it because we want to love our family well and foster growth in your life. That's why we have a marriage class starting tonight because marriage is hard enough. Now, combine that with being stuck with each other all day. It makes it harder. Register for our marriage class. You can do that online. The family of God, though, is not contingent on a building. The family of God is contingent on community. And that's what we need to be seeking out right now. And honestly, it's one of the most difficult times to find community. Because the way we do community all of a sudden is completely and totally different. It's not in a physical location anymore. But we no longer need a physical location to be in community thanks to technology. And the early church, they regularly broke bread together, prayed together, were in one another's homes, 
We can still do that. You can still do that. Would it have to be over technology? Yes. Is it going to be the same? No. We need to embrace that as a church and recognize, hey, the family of God looks a little bit differently right now. Our methods have changed. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that the family of God changes. We simply get to do community in a different way. The early church didn't break bread together and show up in each other's homes simply because they wanted more people to show up on a Sunday morning. They did this because they knew that they were part of something bigger than even their bloodlines. They were a part of the family of God. What does it look like for you in this season? How are you being a part of the family of God in this season? Are you in his word? Are you being prayerful? Are you giving of your treasure? Are you giving of your time or your talent? Are your actions telling an outside world that you love Jesus? Are you a part of the family of God that needs to be taking place in a community of believers that are, just, that, that, that are a part of the same belief system as you? Are you a part of that community somewhere? If the answer is no, I would venture to say you're missing the mark. You need the family of God, and the family of God is bigger than your husband or wife. The family of God is the collective group of people who believe Christ conquered death on their behalf, and they need each other, and the world needs them desperately. What would it look like if the family of God was all of the things I listed above, but most importantly was in community so real life change could happen? And in a time where self-medication and sin issues are, are skyrocketing because people are looking for an escape from this current reality, we would be an encouragement as the church to those around us. The church would be calling people. The church would be texting people. The church would be trying to live in community in any way that they could. Why? Because we know that community is imperative to being a part of a family and not just being a part of a bloodline. Man, I would love it if FBH was known as the fastest shrinking church in Kings County. And not because our numbers have decreased, but because our communities and small groups would be the lifeblood of who we are. Church will never look the same after this. But our communities can. Our communities, our small groups, the family of God where you do life on life with one another to make sure that life change is indeed happening, to make sure that we are indeed discipling one another, sharpening one another as we get smaller, as we shrink smaller, that our small groups, again, would be the lifeblood of who we are. That as people check us out online, that we wouldn't be a Sunday morning part of a to-do list. That people wouldn't just simply be like, okay, you know what, I've had my pancakes, and now that I've had my pancakes, it's time to do church, and after church, it's time for a nap. That we wouldn't be a part of that checklist. That the church would actually be a catalyst for getting people plugged into the family of God. And as far as families go, families, they don't just meet for an hour one day a week. And they are a regular, permanent, integral, and unwavering part of our lives. Let's be the church family. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, uh, we're thankful for today. We're thankful for your son. 
We're thankful for your family. And, and, and God, we're thankful for our bloodlines. We're thankful for our physical families that you've given us. But God, if that's the only lens that we are seeing our family through, then we're missing the mark. That we have an entire body, an entire family of believers around us. That we are called to love well, that we are called to be a part of, that we are called to pull our weight in that we have very specific functions, each and every one of us, that your Holy Spirit has given us. So God, I pray that we would lean into those different things, that we would be a part of community, that we would recognize the importance of this family. And for those who don't yet call themselves a part of the family of God, And maybe this is you with head still bowed and eyes still closed and you're saying, you know what, I, I want to be a part of God's family. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I just want to be a part of that. That you would just pray the ABCs along with me. We do it at the end of every service. You would say, A, Father, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. That, that every single day I fall short of what you want for me in my life. That I'm a sinful person. I, I, I admit that, God. But as I admit that, I also believe that you sent your son on my behalf. And that as you sent your son, you, you, you made it very apparent that you were creating a family in that. A family of like-minded believers. People who believe that, that, that your son came and died on the cross on our behalf and that he conquered death. He rose from the grave. And to see that I would choose to follow you every single day of my life. I would choose to be in community with other believers. That I would choose to be in your word. I would choose to be prayerful. I would choose to give of my time, my talent, my treasure. God, that I would choose to be part of your community, choose to be part of your family every single day. Father, we love you. We're thankful for you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.